Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. And this is in, in preparation for our conference this weekend, and it's also in response this word to just kind of the, the, the global climate and the barrage of information and life and and uh, death and everything that's trying to come into our spaces. And as as people, it's like, how do we handle this world that we've suddenly found ourselves living in in, in uh, 2020? So I'm just going to start with the, the book of Leviticus. It's uh, an Old Testament book. <laughs> I'm only going to briefly mention uh, something that happens in Leviticus. And, and um, God spoke to the nation of Israel and he said, hey, look, there's got to be some moments in your year that you really take time out to celebrate uh, the victories that you've had and who I am in your life. And so we created these seven feasts that were uh, known as, and they were in Israel, they were instructed to take part in these feasts and they were amazing. There were incredible times of creativity and wonder and where, where people camped around the promises of God. And And one of the biggest feasts was the, the feast of Shakot, which uh, it's it's a Hebrew word, and I may have said that I said that correctly or not, but it basically it means shelters, it means booths, it means um, tabernacles. You may have heard of that word if you've been in the Christian scene for a for a while. And so at this feast, everyone in Israel though were meant to make this big trek to Jerusalem, and then for a week or so they were meant to set up a temporary shelter. Uh, so they could basically camp out. And if you lived in Jerusalem, then you could uh, build a shelter on your own roof, but you weren't actually meant to live in your house. And we've actually got a, a picture. Uh, the Jewish people still uh, celebrate this custom. You'll see that soon, hopefully. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, one of these moments, just kind of like all the, isn't it cute as well? Like imagine living in that for a week. That'd be all right. Um, and I was thinking, actually, you know, it's kind of like all the Christchurch Christians that um, every January they make their way to Bethany Park in Kaiteri Terry, and and they um, all live together in what is I call a refugee camp. Um, but if that's you, that's awesome. You do you, uh, and, and it's cool. I love Kaiteri Terry though. But the idea is that uh, of this feast was that it would just help people disconnect from the busyness of their normal life, their normal routine, and remind people that they're on a journey with God. Remind people that they, you know, for the Israelites, they were in the wilderness. They camped out day and night, and it was a part of, you know, their experience of faith. And, you know, me, me and communal camping, as I sort of mentioned there, we're not really great friends. Um, I've done a lot of Easter camps with young people in my time. I did about 20 Easter camps. Um, and I remember one time, actually, there were six guys uh, we were all, uh, we were at uh, Spence Park here locally and we were all in a caravan and I think I had about 40 centimetres of space to myself and I tried to put cushions under, you know, my back to sleep and it just, it wasn't working. One of the leaders had a snoring issue and so they had their ventilator thing going and that wasn't obviously working so it was like, and then it was like, and, and um First night of camp, like I actually, I was like, I'm done, I'm out. At 4 a.m. in the morning, I left camp, which you're not meant to do as a, as a youth pastor. Sorry, Mike Dodge. Um, and I drove home to Rangiora, and I had about five hours sleep because I'm like, I need, I need some sleep tonight. So anyway, we're, we're not great uh, friends. But anyway, at those camps, um, 
I watch young people take time out from their life and get radically impacted by God. I just saw so many good things happen in people's lives. You know, like you could fast track a year's worth of growth in a weekend of encounters. And, you know, I just want to just encourage you, if you haven't yet registered for our conference, to actually to prioritize it if you can, to make a moment with... Um, it is filling up, so we're, we're just looking forward to leaning in together and being impacted together um, with God's heart and love for each one of us and for something for us to experience as a community. It says this in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. This is written by David. Um, this was to be sung by the sons of Korah, I think. It says, My soul thirsts for, for God. For the living God. You know, David, he had discovered that there was ultimately just one way that the thirst for his soul, for his soul could be quenched. And you know, the human soul actually wasn't created uh, to carry the news of the world. <laughs> our, our souls generally, they're not global Size, uh, their community size, their church size, they're our neighbor's size. And uh, most of us are, are designed just to, you know, with this capacity to handle the news of our local communities, you know, to share the joys and the triumphs, to, to, to be with each other through the tragedies and the, and the hard times and the struggles. And then, you know, but now with technology, our, our, our souls are subject to all the drama, to all the intrigue, to all the issues of the entire world. You know, you just get online and then suddenly it's all there. And then you can go onto Facebook and discover what, you know, is liked and not liked about you or misinterpreted or, you know, there's just, it's all there. You can just pick up your phone and, and suddenly there's the, we are inundated with feedback how do we handle all this news? How does our soul deal with all that is going on in this world? And this year has placed an assault on our souls, <laughs> on our hearts. And it's like the world, um, John Eldridge, I heard him say this this week, it's like the world has been unmasked the, in the face of what was underneath, you know, all along is now being seen. It's interesting. And, and, and in reality, other than the effects of COVID-19, the issues of the world are no different than what they were, you know, six, eight months ago. It's just that they've been exposed. This is our world, people. And all these issues, though, suddenly they're exposed and suddenly we're dealing with them. And it's, it's just brutal on the human soul. And it's like the world's holding its breath at the moment. I feel like it's like, <gasps> what, what is it going to go like this in 2021? What's, what's going on? At the same time, we're holding our breath and we're running really hard. We're like, just got to keep ahead of the curve. We've just got to, you know, make sure we're managing everything and, and doing well and preparing and all that. And, and, you know, you can only hold your breath and run hard at the same time uh, for so long before something breaks down. And when I'm talking about, you know, our, our world, our soul being inundated with the world's news, I'm not saying that we need to just necessarily hide our head in the sand. But I think it, this is a time for us to ask the question, how was my soul doing? 
such a massive part of who we are as people, as body, soul, and spirit. And maybe there's a part of us that can still say, you know, how can I, how can I actually do my part and play my part in the redemptive uh, role that the story of Jesus Christ brings into our lives? You know, we're a part of his global plan as well as the, the enemy's rolling out a plan, but Jesus wants to bring restoration. We all have a, a part to play in this crazy world. But our soul is meant to live in the real world, not in the digital world. Um, and, and most of our global community now uses tech to soothe the soul. Um, and in fact, actually, uh, Facebook reminded me this morning that it was a year to go, ago today that Debbie and I uh, were in Yosemite National Park in California having the time of our lives um, in the most incredibly beautiful environment um, I've ever been into um, and majestic beyond all you know, all reason, uh, but you know, the pictures that I now look at on Instagram, they're no substitute for actually being immersed in the reality of nature. And so there's a difference, you know, between scrolling <laughs> through the pictures and actually experiencing. There's a di difference between looking at pictures of the beach and taking a walk along the beach and feeling the air and the refreshment of being out in nature, and so we there's this emotional connection that each one of us actually desires um, to be connected with beauty and the reality of of being in a beautiful environment. It's actually really good for our souls. In uh, three John one two, uh, John said, "This is a prayer to the church," and he said, "You know, I pray that you would be in health and you would prosper, just as your soul prospers." And it's just interesting there because it's the just as your soul prospers. Uh, that that is that precedes, you know, the health and the well-being and the financial success that we're all looking for. Is it actually comes from a place of having a healthy soul, and so there is a way actually for our souls to be healthy and strong. And if you're here today, you're feeling battered, bruised. I feel your pain, like I really do. But there's a way for you to feel strong, to feel healthy, and to have well-being in your innermost being. And I've got some notes here today from a book that I've just started reading. It's called Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. Wonderful book. And I actually hope that we can do this as a series together as a church in a, in a couple of weeks. Psalm 46 says this. because this, this psalm paints a picture of reality, but then it says a, there's a but God in the psalm. It says this, um, and I'm just taking a few verses from it. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Isn't that a great start? Come on. <laughs> Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. He makes wars cease and the ends, uh, to the ends of the earth. Isn't that awesome? But the nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. <laughs> the Lord Almighty is with us. That's just a good promise. <laughs> Come on. It was so good to sing this morning. I'm going to see a victory. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. <laughs> be still written when they had no cell phones, <laughs> no internet, no media, not one car, not a cafe or a lawnmower. 
the news that came their way. It was only regional. They didn't carry the burdens of the entire world on their shoulders. They walked everywhere they went. So they lived at a pace of about three kilometers an hour. (laughs) Yet they still felt the world sucking life out of them. So exciting. (laughs) Not the world sucking life out of them. Someone ran around the front. And, um, And in the psalm, God the Father is calling that generation to slow down, to be still. Hey, you've broken the speed limit, (laughs) three kilometers per hour. You're going too fast. And then Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he came and he modeled to us how to to allow the Father to care for our souls. And this ability that he had to just up and walk away from his world and spend time with the Father has always inspired me. And, I've, you know, you can look at that and go, yeah, Jesus, but you didn't have a wife and children. You didn't have other, you know, you, did, you lived in that age and time. And, and then at the same time, I think the, the burdens that actually that he carried would have paled into comparison with the burdens that we carry in life. And in the, open chapter, uh, the opening chapter of Mark, there's this scene and there's excitement. He's, there's, he's with his disciples. There's crowds. There's... This attendance of Jesus going to whole new levels, and then Jesus just exits the building. He just disappears. He goes AWOL. He doesn't give his staff permission. You know, he, do, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, I, I just, yeah, he's just gone. It says this in Mark 1.35. It says, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for them, and when, he, when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's just go somewhere else. <laughs> and I love the story of Jesus pulling himself out of the hamster wheel of life. Because isn't that what we're on, so many of us? And, and Jesus models to us that this heart of freedom, I think, that every one of us actually gravitates to. And he disen- this idea that we could just disengage ourselves from this world is actually quite compelling, for me anyway. And Jesus says, <laughs> every, uh, Peter says, everyone's looking for you. And, and his replies crack up. He just like, let's go somewhere else. He doesn't let the pressure of the crowd or a popular opinion draw him in. And Jesus, um, he just took time out with his father. So he could see what his father was doing. That's actually what he said. He says, I'm going to only do what I see my father doing. And then consequently, the miracles and the love and leadership that flowed out of his life was in response to him taking these moments of rest with his father. And so I know that my life is going to become eternally fruitful when I take time with my Father. It's so important. So where do you find yourself today? How do you, how do you bring relief to your soul? Is it the Sunday morning moment? It's, oh, I've done church. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good. It's a good thing, but that's not really the ultimate watering hole for your soul. We need 
to experience on a daily basis the unforced rhythms of grace <laughs> flowing through our lives. Unforced. What have you been doing to, to, you know, attempt maybe to revive, to restore, maybe to rescue your soul? And, and we don't live in a world that's three kilometers per hour. <laughs> but how do we? That we... we it's so important that we disengage more so because our world is so fast-paced and there are so many shoulda, couldas that you should be doing. You know, to look after your children, to do this, to be there, to do that, to, to, to kind of model what success looks like. But Jesus really is the model for success. I want to ask you today, you know, to take something new into our lives, you know, first of all, to just to take something new into our lives, we actually have to let something go. We can't just cram more stuff in and expect a different result. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to ask you this morning the question, what do you need to let go of so you can receive more of me, so that you can be still and know that he is God. Maybe, maybe you need to climb a mountain. Maybe you need to go to the beach. Maybe you need one of those to build yourself a little booth on, your, on the roof of your house and live there for a week. <laughs> maybe you need to pull the internet out of your home for a couple of days and regulate your tech consumption. Or maybe you're just like David today and you're like, man, I don't even realize I had a thirsty soul, but now you're like, man, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. And Jesus modeled this so beautifully. You know, wherever he went in life, he called people through to this rhythm of grace and truth. And he was always inviting people to go somewhere else with him. There's a little guy called Zacchaeus. <laughs> And this Zacchaeus was, was climbing trees for better views, for greater opportunities to see who Jesus was. And Jesus saw him up a tree and all, he saw Zacchaeus trying to climb out of poverty. He saw Zacchaeus trying to climb out of this world and to climb up higher to get ahead. And Zacchaeus was a rich man, but Jesus saw him stealing from others so that he could get ahead in life. And, and Jesus said to Zacchaeus, hey, come down from that tree. Let, let me meet you at your level. I don't care how short you are. I want to come over to your house and I want, to, I want to meet you at your level. Let's be real. Let's talk about the pain in your soul. And, and over lunch, Zacchaeus' life was transformed. Like he was transformed. He immediately gave back uh, four times more to those who had stole from. And he gave half of what he had to the poor <laughs> because he found something, something that would be greater for his soul than he could ever realize. There was a woman at the well that Jesus met and she thought that she was there for water, for a, for a physical thirst. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, you've been looking for love, honey, in all the wrong places. In fact, you've had five husbands and your soul is so thirsty. Come to me and I've got streams of living water. <laughs> Isn't that what we need that you don't know about? And she encountered Jesus. Her soul encountered Jesus. I just need to pause because 
He is the greatest answer for the, whole, the, for the human soul. And if you don't know Jesus here today, that's okay. But I want to tell you that He gives you an invitation. He gives you a great invitation to experience a life that you don't actually know yet. And today we've got people being baptized. And the waters of baptism are actually a powerful symbolic statement, but also a prophetic statement of a new beginning in Christ. And baptism is the statement of Christ washing us clean, washing away our sin, our old nature, our brokenness, the regrets that we've had, the burdens that we're carrying. And in Christ, He washes us. One of the beautiful Psalms said, David had this concept of Jesus coming and washing him and so he could be clean, so he could be whiter than the snow. And so these beautiful waters of baptism that people are going to pass through today are the statement of cleansing, of restoration and renewal, body, soul, and spirit. I'm sorry, there's just nothing better than His love. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God. Not by works, not by religion. So no one can boast. And that word saved, it just wrecks me every time. Because it means made whole and restored body, soul, and spirit. It's a complete salvation experience. It doesn't mean that life becomes perfect. (laughs) In fact, it can become more challenging at times. And so today, Jesus is inviting us, all of us, to surrender our whole person to Him, our whole life to Him, and become saved by His grace. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.